this morning, we're going to get started with our message, and we're going to start right off. This is a new series we're going to get into, and it's a series, I don't think that I've addressed this subject since I've been here. Not fully, I may have bumped it a time or two, but I haven't done that, and that's all about spiritual gifts. I don't think that I've been there before. Well, we're going to start off with this series, and I think it's really important um, that we do. But let's start off with Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 4 through 8. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members, or these members, do not all have the same function. Now, that do not part have the same function. You might want to underline that. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. That's another one you might want to underline there, according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously if it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Well, let's begin with a definition here. First of all, what are spiritual gifts? Well, spiritual gifts are special God-given abilities that serve as channels through which the Holy Spirit ministers to others through our lives. So, let me say that again. I want you to get that just kind of ingrained in your mind. Spiritual gifts are special God-given abilities, and they serve as channels through which the Holy Spirit ministers to others through our lives. And that's what spiritual gifts are. Now, I believe to understand spiritual gifts, we need to understand the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, when you become a Christian, and you receive from God the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's when that takes place there. And that is the very presence of God that enters into your life in order to serve as your conscience, to serve as your guide or your enabler in the Christian life. In fact, in Romans um, chapter 8, in the second part of verse 9, it says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... He does not belong to Christ. You know, we see that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help you to become and do all that God desires. But let me tell you something. That's not all that the Holy Spirit does. In Ephesians, the first chapter, and the second part of verse 13 and uh, verse 14, it says, Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are of God's possession. In other words, the Holy Spirit is God's mark in our lives that identifies us as His child. And it's also God's deposit or His engagement ring to us. You see, literally, the Holy Spirit is God's um, earnest money. Um, it's God's guarantee that He will fulfill all the promises concerning salvation and eternal life. Now, understand this. 
that all believers, all believers who've been baptized in, into Christ for the remission of their sins, they receive from God the same gift of the Spirit. But the Spirit is God's abiding presence, you know, and then that Spirit entrusts us, each of us, with different spiritual gifts, you see. Now, maybe we can get a better handle on this spiritual gift thing if we do it um, by contrasting them with the fruit of the Spirit and natural talent or natural abilities. Now, again, remember this, that all of us receive um, the presence of the Holy Spirit at salvation. I want to refer you to Acts, the second chapter, verses 38 and 39. It says, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, that's us, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So you see, all who truly repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus receive the Holy Spirit. But each of us, we really must learn to yield to that Spirit's leading and the Spirit's power. We must deny ourselves. We must deny our, our fleshly desires and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. Now, we talked about that before, the Holy Spirit filling us or literally to, to control our lives. You know, the Bible calls this crucifying the old man. The Bible also calls it not quenching the Spirit. Now, as you and I, as we yield to the, the Spirit's control and we allow Him to teach us and to guide us in every area of our lives, the Spirit begins to transform our lifestyle and our character. And He produces His fruit in our lives. Now, the fruit of the Spirit are attributes of character. When you look at those, and you'll see that God just builds into all maturing Christians. And according to Galatians, the fifth chapter, verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as the Holy Spirit does His work, His, He transforms us into the very image of Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And all these qualities of Christ begin to manifest themselves in our lives. And these qualities here always look the same in every maturing Christian. You see, they are the main evidence that the Holy Spirit is, is present and working in our lives. But now hear this. The gift of the Spirit are very different than the fruit of the Spirit. It's a different thing. Think about this. The gifts of the Spirit are very different than the fruit of the Spirit. See, God does not produce in all of us the same gifts. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is about Christian character and spiritual maturity. When you look at those, you'll, you'll see that. But the gifts of the Spirit, you know, they have very little to do with one's character or one's maturity. Spiritual giftedness is not a sign of good character or spiritual maturity. Spiritual gifts, remember, are special abilities 
through which God, in His grace, chooses to work and minister to others through us. Now, I know that's a mouthful, and that's a handful to swallow at one time. And I also want you to, to note that spiritual gifts are not the same as natural talents. They're not the same. Talents or abilities are potentials that begin at birth. You know, but spiritual gifts are potentials that only began at one's new birth. Now, sometimes spiritual gifts do correspond with our natural abilities. Sometimes they go together. For instance, you may have a musical talent, a potential that you had at birth, and through training and, and, and practice, you've developed and made those quite well. And then God may have come along and, and given you a spiritual gift of encouragement. And you may very well express your gift of encouragement through your music. But musical ability is a talent, not a spiritual gift. You know, the spiritual gift is the ability to bring spiritual encouragement to others. And it may be just a coincidence that those two things happen to merge in your life. And sometimes they do. But you know, it's really amazing how often there is no correspondence whatsoever between someone's spiritual gift and their natural talents or their developed areas of expertise. Sometimes there's no correlation at all. For an example, you know, all great salesmen are not gifted evangelists. You know, I've known some guys who could sell ice to an Eskimo, but they're, you know, they're practically ineffective when it comes to leading others to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, just like all school teachers are not gifted as spiritual teachers. You know, they may understand all the, the principles of learning, but they're simply not effective in helping others to understand and apply spiritual principles to God's Word. Now, that don't mean they can't, but there's occasions where it don't work out that way. You know, there may be a correspondence between one's talent to teach and one's gift to teach, which is wonderful, if it is. And certainly, those, um, you know, if you're spiritually gifted to teach, any training and education will be beneficial. But the two do not necessarily correspond. They may, but they don't necessarily correspond. You know, I've observed people who were uh, very effective administrators or managers at their place of work, but were not simply gifted to lead or administrate in the spiritual realm. You know, oftentimes their leadership and their management or abilities and their administration abilities, you know, they got things done. There's no question about that but it didn't edify or build up the body of Christ, which is always the Holy Spirit's goal as He ministers through spiritual gifts. You see. Now, something else I've noticed. Sometimes people who exercise authority, who hold high-powered management positions, you know, in the secular world, they don't want to lead in the church. And let me tell you something. Until I got a grip on understanding this concept of spiritual giftedness, that really bothered me. Because you see, I kind of assumed that they weren't being good stewards of their God-given abilities. 
you know, sometimes those people, they had discovered that in the spiritual realm, they had been gifted to help others. But they discovered that it was by providing the quiet service and support for others behind the scenes that they received the most ministry satisfaction and brought the most spiritual blessing to others. You know, there's some that do better behind the scenes, encouraging and helping others. So there may be correspondence there, but oftentimes there's not between your natural talent and spiritual gifts. Sometimes they go together, sometimes they do not. Well, with that in mind, understand that, um, that spiritual gifts are not the same as the fruits of the Spirit, or it's not the same as natural talent or natural gift, but it's a special um, gift that God has given you to encourage others through those gifts. You see, now there's three things I want to talk about that will help us identify our spiritual gifts. And that first one is this. When you exercise a spiritual gift, your ministry will be received by the body and it will produce spiritual fruit. In other words, other Christians will be encouraged. Other Christians will be challenged and built up in their faith by the exercise of a spiritual gift. You know, people may come up to you and say things like, you know, I was really blessed by the way that you conducted that meeting. Or they may come up to you and say something like, you know, that act of kindness really challenged me. Or they may say something else like, that lesson really convicted me about my need for greater holiness and more active Christian service. See, spiritual growth Spiritual challenge, spiritual encouragement, and life change will all occur when spiritual gifts are properly exercised and expressed. So this is something we really need to get a handle on is our spiritual gifts that God has given us. The second thing, when you minister within your area of spiritual giftedness, you will usually experience joy and satisfaction in your ministry. You know, when you sit back and you reflect upon your service that's rendered to God and rendered to His church, you know, you're going to feel good about it. It's going to make you feel wonderful. Now, that doesn't always mean that you feel like volunteering. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you'll never feel weary or you'll never feel tired or burn out in a ministry. It doesn't mean that at all. You know, I would like to think that I have a small spiritual gift of preaching and teaching, but there are just some Mondays that I don't feel very motivated to prepare to preach or teach, just like, you know, everybody else. But if I exercise a little spiritual discipline, and if I fulfill my responsibilities and do my duties, in the end, I always find great joy and satisfaction and ministering to others in a special way that God has gifted me and called me to do. It makes me feel good. It makes you feel good when you minister in your special gifted areas. And in the end, really it doesn't um, drain me, but rather my service, it just kind of adds meaning and it adds energy, you know, to life. Now, if some ministry in the church just drains you 
and you're overcome with dread at every thought of having to do some special act of service for God, it might just be, assuming that the rest of your spiritual life is in order, that this is not your area of giftedness. You know, it, maybe it's that way. If you hate being around junior high kids, you know, God may have not called you to teach junior high kids. If preschoolers make you nervous, it just may be that God has not gifted you to be a helper in the preschool department. You know, if you love working with your hands and you find great satisfaction in, in starting something and finishing something all at one time, it's probably true that God has not gifted you to do some of the ongoing, never-ending administrative tasks that mark much of the church's ministry, like being uh, the bookkeeper or treasurer or doing the bulletin. It never ends. It just keeps on going, you know, or typing up sermon notes or doing a newsletter. People that like to start something and finish something right then and it's over with, that's probably not your gifted areas is to be one of those because it doesn't end. Third thing, people exercising their spiritual gifts as they develop those gifts, they will always pursue and achieve excellence in their ministry. Folks, God has not called anyone to be mediocre in any area of ministry. He just hasn't done it. God is a God of excellence. And he desires that his people achieve excellence in every area of their lives. So it's our job to press on to be excellent in whatever it is we do. You know, when you're working in an area of spiritual giftedness, as you develop your gifts, as you achieve, you know, you basically, you will achieve a degree of excellence in your ministry. If you love it and you're working at it, you're going to get better and better and better at it. You know, now I've heard sometimes people say, you know, I just want to teach the adult Sunday school class. They say, I am a gifted teacher. Now, this has not happened here. This is an illustration from another church I've been in. I'll say that right up front. They say, I'm a gifted teacher. But after two or three weeks, if no one wants to enter your class, you might need to reevaluate your giftedness there. You know? Um, there are those who like to stand up and they would like to encourage the body through, you know, the, the whole body through a solo on Sunday mornings. That's the reason I don't do that is because I want people to show up next week. You know, that is not my, my thing. I, li I love to sing, but I don't have that solo voice to, to, to do that. Um, see, whatever it is that God has gifted you with, he's gifted you to do it well. You will learn to do it well. So keep that in mind as you search for your gifts. Now to wrap up this message this morning, remember this is the introduction to this series. So I wanted to lay some groundwork first. So I want to wrap up this morning by giving you five reasons why the study of spiritual gifts is important. Why we should do this. And this is why we're going to invest the next few weeks in learning all about spiritual gifts. And hopefully it will encourage you as individuals to seek and discover God's giftedness that he's, you know, that he's given to each of us, that he's entrusted to us. Number one is this. Scripture admonishes us to be aware of our spiritual gifts and to use them. 
In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1, Paul writes, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Folks, if you're a Christian sitting here this morning and you don't know all about spiritual gifts, and if you don't have a real lock on uh, your gift, what your gifts are and the way God wants you to use them, the Bible admonishes you to educate yourself on those things. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14, young Timothy was commanded by Paul, do not neglect your gift. And then listen to the admonition here of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Second reason here we need to know about our gifts is because someday you and I are going to be, have to give an account for our stewardship of them. That's, the reason we, that's another reason we need to know about our gifts. You know, they are God's trust to us. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, it says this, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And in Matthew 25, starting with verse 14, Jesus told a story there that applies to every one of our lives. There, we know it as the parable of the talents. Um, Jesus told a story about a master who entrusted all of his resources to three servants. And basically, he told them, when he went on a journey, he told his servants, um, someday, I'm going to return, you know, and until I do, I want you to take care of my business. Here are my resources. When I return, I want to see what you've done with them. I want to see how you've handled them. And folks, understand this. Someday, Jesus is going to return, and each one of us are, will be called on to give an account for what we did with our time and our talents and our treasures and our spiritual gifts. We're going to be required to give an account for that. You know, how did we develop and use um, all of our gifts for the kingdom? How did we do that? You know, was it to bring glory to God? What did we do with those gifts that God gave us? What did we do with the gift of the Holy Spirit and then the, the gifts that that Spirit gives us. What do we do with them? You see, God has entrusted to each of us spiritual gifts that we might minister to other people in the name of Jesus. And if we are faithful to develop and utilize our gifts as we should, someday Jesus will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Won't that be beautiful words to hear? But folks, if we bury our gifts, and if we're unwilling to use them in such a way as to bring honor to Jesus Christ, that attitude could be reflective of, of a much deeper problem. And then we are in danger, you know, as the unfaithful servant in Matthew 25 of hearing the Lord's rebuke. And none of us want to hear that. Depart from me, you wicked and lazy servant. We don't want to hear that. Number three, we need to know our spiritual gifts because these gifts, gifts help us discern God's will for our lives. Folks, 
Have you ever thought about it this way? Your gifts are all about your spiritual job description. You know, they define your calling to ministry. So everyone who wants to know and walk in God's will for their life must discover and must develop the spiritual gifts that God has entrusted to their care. We've got to take those gifts and we've got to use them. You see, the body of Christ, um, in the body of Christ, we don't all have the same role. None of us do. Some are hands and some are feet and, and, and some are ears and some are eyes. We don't have all the, the, the same role. You know, some are upfront kind of people. You see them doing things. But then there's the, 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 the never seen vital organs or, or parts of the church's skeletal system that's back there behind the scenes doing the job. You see, it's your spiritual giftedness that helps you discern the role that you play in God's plan. And let me tell you something. Every one of those spiritual gifts are important, whether it's up front or whether it's behind the scenes. But the Spirit has gifted you in a certain way to use those gifts. And we're not all the same, but we must use them. Number four, only when the whole church begins to develop and exercise their spiritual gifts will the church become what God wants it to be. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter in verses 12 through 16, we find a passage of scripture here that describes a very mature church, a church where each part is functioning the way that God has designed it to function and where each member is ministering to other members according to God's design. And we'll see in this passage, the result is this. The body of Christ is built up. And in verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there, by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheme. But instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all, in all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. And each does his own work. Folks, until each member of the body, each part does its work according to its gifts, none of us will be encouraged or strengthened to the full extent that God desires. Our church is dependent upon one another doing what we're supposed to do. You know, our spiritual growth and our spiritual maturity is in part dependent upon the willingness of each and every one of us here to allow God to minister through us and to minister through those, those gifts. In other words, for me to be what I ought to be, I need for you to be what you ought to be. And for you to be what God wants you to be, I must be faithful to do what God has called me to do. You see, it takes each other. You see, God has, He has designed this mutual interdependence within His body. That's the way He wanted us to work together. And the last thing this morning, 
We need to study all about spiritual gifts so that Christ can be glorified. Okay? You see, His fullness cannot be manifested to our community in the life of any individual Christian. We just can't do it by ourselves. His fullness is only manifested when the whole body of Christ begins to function as it should. So if you're sitting back there thinking, well, I'm not very active, I don't do anything, but I come to church. Folks, you need to get real about this. The church needs you to do your part, to use your spiritual gifts, you see. Um, and that requires a thorough knowledge and exercise of our spiritual giftedness. In Colossians, the first chapter, verse 27, Paul said this, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, the way the world is going to see Christ is by looking at you and looking at me. But that's not just you as an individual, folks. That's plural, you. You know, it's plural. It's the people of God. When I say you, it's us. It's all of us collectively here. 2,000 years ago, the Word became flesh, and it dwelled among us, and man just beheld the glory of God. You know, in the body of Jesus, people were able to come close to God. They were able to touch God. They were able to understand God. They were able to relate to God as never before. You know, that was body one, Jesus in the flesh when he came. But folks, the Bible teaches us that the church is sequel to body one. You know, we are body two. In our world, we are the body of Christ. We're the ones that they should see God in and touch God in and experience God in. It's through us. So the sequel to Christ coming the first time is the church the body of Christ, you see. No matter how spiritual or how Christ-like I become, Greg Brookins will never be able to show the whole world the fullness of God. I'm just an inadequate vessel for that. But what I could never do as an individual and what you could never do as an individual, the Spirit of God wants to work through His church, through us, Remember the passage of Scripture? One plants, one waters, and if we do that together, God gives the increase. Folks, it takes all of us doing and exercising our spiritual giftedness. And remember again, those are different than talents. Those are different from uh, your own abilities. This is a special gift that God has given us. So how can our world know what God is like? How can they see him? How can they relate to him? Well, he can be seen and he can be known in the fullness of his people. If we are practicing and exercising our spiritual giftedness, that's how the world will know about God and our love and in our caring and our mutual ministry and in our witness, you know, in the synergy of our lives linked together. That's how they'll see God. It is Christ in us that the hope of his glory is seen. So, why are we going to study all about spiritual gifts? Number one, because the Bible commands us to know and use them. And number two, 
we're accountable for, you know, for their stewardship. And number three, our, our gifts are essential for understanding God's will. And number four, only when our gifts are operated can the church know the unity and the harmony and the numerical and spiritual growth that God desires. And only when the body of Christ is what it's, you know, is what it's called to be and does what it's called to do is when the fullness of God's glory is manifested in the world. Folks, when we were given the gift of the Holy Spirit and then that Spirit departs to us other gifts to use, we need to use those gifts. We're going to be held accountable for those gifts. So I recommend that this is a study that we get involved in and we learn something about our spiritual giftedness. You know, it's easy to associate our spiritual gifts with talents or the fruits of the Spirit, but they're not the same. They're just not the same. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you help us to understand our spiritual gifts. The gifts that the Holy Spirit has imparted to us, we ask you to understand those. We ask you to help us to use those. Because, Father, we know if the Holy Spirit has imparted those to us, we will be able to do them. And we will get very good at them. So, Father, help us to exercise that part of our relationship with you. Father, if there's anyone here today that have not been using their spiritual gifts, we pray that the message would have pricked their heart. And they'll say, you know what, I need to do this. Even as awkward as it may feel, Understand that if, if the Holy Spirit gives you those gifts, we will be good at it. Father, help us to understand that. Help us to do our best for you. And thank you so much for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.